In a world full of boring stories, bad videos, and marketing misinformation, one very tall man with a weird last name will use his microphone. Is this thing on? Use his video marketing knowledge. It's the red button, right? And use his friends. Please be on the show. To change that. You are listening to The Garlic Marketing Show with Ian. What? No, that's how you pronounce it. Well, if you say so, your host, Ian Garlic. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show. Ian Garlic here. And today we're going to talk SEO, one of my favorite subjects. Uh, our guest today, founder of SureOak.com, a SEO agency, worked with major brands on major SEO campaigns. We're going to talk a little bit about e-commerce, SaaS, search engine optimization. Is search engine optimization still alive? And a pretty cool way to be getting links from very, very valuable resources. Tom Cassano, thanks for being on, buddy. Yeah, I'm psyched to be here, Ian. This is going to be a blast. Yeah, so it's a blast for us because we both like SEO. But, you know, here's the thing. You know, I've got small business, big business, and people, I hear from people like SEO is too expensive, SEO is dead, all these things. Let's dispel those rumors right away. Or are they true? I'm assuming not since you have a company doing it. Yeah, there's, you know, things change constantly. And of course, you know, for me, if I'm trying to like jump into a digital marketing channel that I, don't know a whole lot about or think I know something about, but I, you know, I'm not really going to succeed at it. So as you know, Ian, if you're um, specializing in something and doing it every day, all day long, you're going to get really good at it and be able to drive really good results. Um, things are certainly changing in terms of, you know, is SEO dead or you can see it when you're making a search on Google and you see, it might just give you the answer right there. And you might not actually click something. You know, there's, I've seen data from Rand Fishkin from Moz that the click through rates on mobile have gone down in the last, uh, two years or so, or, you, you know, it's, it's significant enough. It's a little worrisome, but at the same time, there's just so many searches. There's more people searching more and more every day. Um, so there's huge opportunities, you know, we could point to, I'm sure you can as well point to numerous websites that are driven primarily off of SEO that are getting tons of organic traffic, making tons of money. So it really just all depends how you look at it and, and what the opportunities are, what the goals are. And, um, you know, it's still working, right? There's, there's tons of businesses making tons of money from SEO. Oh, yeah. And, um, search engine optimization, you know, we're, we'll talk about the ranking factors, what's working, what's not. Search isn't going away, but I think you made a valid point. People individually are doing more searches, right? I, and they're doing, we're doing more and more and more searches before making a buying decision. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's not only that, like, just like you're saying that, you know, maybe you and I are doing more searches per day on Google than we were three years ago, but also like maybe my mother is or other demographics of people that might not have been, um, you know, using Google to, to find things on the web. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, everyone's using it now and I see it across the board. I watch people and it first, I mean, a few years ago, you didn't do this, but now if you have any question at all, and now with audio, you can just ask that question right away. And that is an opportunity. But so what is the opportunity then for a small, medium-sized business in SEO? 
The opportunity is, look, you want to get traffic to your site to grow your business, you know, whether you're an e-commerce um, store and you're selling things directly, whether you're a, uh, a consulting kind of company or services business or an agency or whatever, and you want to get leads generated if you're a coach or, you know, there's any type of business model. Uh, if you're a SaaS and you're trying to get users to use your software, um, it's it's one of, in my opinion, one of the most powerful user acquisition methods. Um, there's a ton of people searching every single day. Um, and the user intent is very high. If I'm searching for uh, a specific thing I'm looking for, if I'm trying to solve a, a pain or I'm looking for a service or a product or something you know, further out in the funnel, you know, and I can come to your website and you're going to inform me, you have me on your website, you can convert me into a customer or a client. Um, you can use retargeting or other means to kind of, uh, you know, come, come back, have me come back to your website. Um, and you, know, you can build authority, you can build your brand, have me come to the, to your site. So there's obviously just a ton of value. Um, so I, I think it's self-evident, but I think these are great questions to start from. It, it, I think you're, you're making a good point. It, it seems self-evident, but people fail to realize the difference between intent. And I always say this intention and attention, every other ad method, every other marketing method in the world pretty much has to get someone's attention. This is one of the few that you have intention and how powerful is that intention? And, and, and maybe we should go into that a little bit, telling about what that intention means. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and you know, SEO, um, you know, we, we could talk about this stuff all day. So it's all about targeting. It's all about um, qualifying. If you're, you know, if you're a B2B business and you're trying to find someone who needs, uh, let's say, let's say you're selling CRM, you have a CRM software and you you want people who want to um, become a user and buy your platform and buy your CRM. If you have someone searching at that moment, you know, best CRMs or, um, you know, which CRM should I buy? Or um, if they're trying to learn and if they're in that buyer's journey to find out information right there at their, that moment is like the perfect spot and place to capture them. Because, you know, you could be doing some kind of generalized marketing where, you know, you're just, um, just putting a marketing message out there and it's not targeted. It's not, you know, going to the right audience or the right people at the right moment. And it's just not going to resonate. They're not looking for a CRM. They don't care about a CRM. So um, when you talk about user intent, I think that's just so, so important. Yeah. User intent, but how, so how do you figure out and align with user intent? If I'm an attorney or doctor, you know, there's obviously the, the someone's looking for, a plastic surgeon, they Google plastic surgeon. But the, how do we figure out the other user intent that's around there? Because they're doing other searches. Yeah, so um, keyword research is going to allow us to find out what are the search terms people are looking for. Um, part of it could be intuitive, right? Because someone might say best plastic surgeon, and you might you know, intuitively take that to mean that their intention is to find... A, a really good plastic surgeon to work with, or, you know, you could try to uh, try to think about what that searcher is actually looking for. Um, and then another way to do it, which I like to do is to see um, certain keywords and landing pages. People are coming to you and you're saying, Oh, what's the conversion rate? So I'll give you a quick example. Um, there's a website, lifecoachspotter.com. It's a lead generation website for life coaches. And so I've done SEO on that site um, some time ago and just a fascinating contrast. There's one keyword where it's about like, um, I'm feeling lost in my life or, how do I find myself? That keyword gets like way more traffic and volume and visitors to that page. Um, now remember, this is a lead generation website for coaches. Um, the conversion rate on that page and on that keyword is about 0.3%, I think. 
And there's another page about find a life coach and that's targeting a keyword, how to find a life coach or find whatever the best life coach. The conversion rate on that page is 5%. So that's 15 times higher conversion rate because of the intention, even though the, the search volume and traffic to that page is significantly less. I don't remember the numbers. It's getting way more leads generated because of intention. So that's why intention is just so powerful because if someone is looking for exactly that thing that your business or service uh, offers that you're selling, whether it's a product, um, you know, you're going to be able to convert at a much higher rate than if it's just some general broad kind of thing, or you're just kind of marketing in an untargeted way. Yeah, I think you have a valid point here because I see I, I know a lot of people come and they're like, oh, I've got a ton of traffic to my website. I got a ton of traffic, but like to your point, does is that traffic have the right intention? Because uh, you know, I've had clients, I've seen their traffic reports for they're they're high ranked for a single term, but that term has nothing to do with their business and they're getting a ton of traffic. Um, but are there ways to what are the best ways to find those, like that middle ground then? Yeah, you're right. And and that can be very much a vanity metric. Another vanity metric is like how high I'm ranking. What's my position for this keyword? Because that's just one keyword out of hundreds or thousands. And it might be a more competitive keyword and it might not convert as well. And just like you said about traffic, I was doing a little bit of a competitor research for an attorney Recently, one of the competitors winning an enormous load of traffic, but I was looking at the keywords that I was getting traffic for it. There's no way that this was going to guy, you know, the person searching for these keywords was going to convert or actually interested in like a personal injury attorney kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, ultimately what we have to get down to, I mean, the way you really do it from a business standpoint um, and, and implementing marketing through whatever channel it is, is you look at the business goals you're trying to hit. Are we trying to grow sales? Are we trying to get more leads? What is our ultimate KPI we're trying to get to? And then we work backwards. And when we work backwards, you know, we're talking about conversions, whether that's generating leads or whether that's converting e-commerce sales or, you know, paying subscribers onto a SaaS platform. Um, once we arrive at that, then everything else is a, a strategic means to get there. So it doesn't really matter if you know uh, a page is getting a thousand visitors or ten. What matters is how many of those valuable conversions are we getting? You know, maybe the the the, the page or the keyword with less searches, less volume gets more conversions, like the example I just gave. So then. Like I think you said, going to a middle ground, we then have to think about all these different factors. You know, what are the keywords? What's the intent of those keywords? Where is that person in the sales funnel? Because uh, it's going to be much more competitive if, if something has very high buyer intent. You know, if you're trying to rank for a keyword like buy computer and you're selling computers, you're not going to win because you're competing against Best Buy and Amazon. But if, you, if you're willing to do a little more keyword research and find some opportunities like, you know, best um, computers of 2018 or 2019, uh, you might find opportunities and it might be much less competitive. So in terms of middle ground, we have to take in uh, a few different factors into account. Uh, but ultimately, we want to get to what's our ultimate KPI that we care most about. I think that's a, that's a super important thing because a lot of people just want traffic and they're like, oh, they want traffic or they just want leads too. And I think that that also brings you down to the fact that like to the point that people will say, well, leads from the internet suck. And I hear, I've heard that before, you know, the internet leads are nowhere near as good, but that how important is that intention to match up to that lead? And how it's do you do that? Yeah. You know, you're spot on because it's also the quality of the lead and the quality of the lead is from the quality of the keyword or the traffic they're coming from. So, you know, it's not enough to just generate leads. You really want to look at it all the way through the the sales pipeline. And you want to look at, you know, if let's say 
uh, in a quarter, uh, you closed 10 deals, you know, and let's say 10 deals from organic traffic, from SEO, what were the pages they landed on? What was the keyword? What was the intent? Back to your point about intent. And you might find that even though this keyword or this page might get much less traffic, it's much higher quality leads. So, you know, leads from the internet can absolutely suck. It just depends on the source. And if you're buying those leads from a third party, where are they getting those leads, you know? And, and sometimes it, it's really, I, I honestly believe more and more that it's all about targeting, which plays back into intent because, you know, for us, our business, we might get a lead for, from someone who's, um, you know, a 19 year old in Pakistan. It's like, <laughs> you know, it might be a lead, but it's not like gonna, a lead that's going to close into a deal for my own business. So we really have to think about all of these factors you're bringing up, which are great points. So what are the, fa- what are, you know, we talked a little bit about before, but how many factors are there for ranking in the search engines and which ones are you paying attention to? Okay. So according to Brian Dean, there's over 200 ranking factors in Google's algorithm. According to Cyrus Shepard, um, you know, there's more and more that Google doesn't even know themselves because they're using machine learning. And so, you know, these Google has become so sophisticated. I'll tell you honestly, Ian, I actually don't spend too much time anymore trying to figure out all of the technical nitty gritty stuff because at the end of the day, all Google is trying to do is use all this complexity and sophistication to understand like a few basic things. So the ranking factors I pay the most attention to are the ones that are going to drive the needle and, and I'm sorry, move the needle and drive results the, the most because you can get so bogged down in trying to make every single optimization and things that just won't really make an impact in your traffic. So um, what I've seen in my own experience that moves the needle the most for your SEO, number one is backlinks and link building. Number two, we've kind of touched on keyword research and optimization for those keywords. And number three is content, um, which you know most people can write content and we could talk about how to do content. And if there were a fourth thing, it'd certainly be user experience because things like page load speed or just being able to find, you know, um, we talk about intention and s- satisfying user intent. So being able to satisfy the, the user's um, search query is everything because the better job you can do that, the more Google will want to show you and rank you higher because you're helping Google's users find what they're ultimately looking for. Yeah. And, and that's an important point too, is to give them what they're looking for. Right. And not just and not just get ranked for that term. Um, so when it comes to building this strategy, since we're talking about keywords and, you know, I like to talk about long tail and we've talked about it before, but maybe we go over a little bit about what long tail uh, uh, keywords are and how you're identifying ones that not only convert, but have the right intent and drive the right leads. Yeah, for sure. So if let's say um, to use the same example that your, your business is an e-commerce store and you're selling computers, um, you know, if someone just searching for the word computer, that would, you know, be a very competitive keyword. It'd be very high volume. You'd say, wow, there's, you know, 50,000 searches a month or whatever the number is, but the intent would not be there and it'd be way too competitive and you never rank. So then you might go to buy a computer, but that's also too competitive like we gave an example on. So you try to find some other long tail keywords, which you mentioned, which for listeners who've never heard of that or maybe heard of it, but like, what the heck is a long tail keyword? If you look at a graph, you'll find that um, there are a lot of searches that people do that have more words strung onto them. So they'll be like, you know, uh, best computer to travel with, um, you know, overseas, like some, we all do this, right? We're putting in these like long searches. And so when you add up all those together, there's actually a lot more volume and opportunity and less competition for these long tail keywords. Um, so I lost my train of thought, but, um, <laughs> but, but we have to do keyword research. 
Oh, and I guess that you said about intent, right? So if we know that the KPIs, we want to sell computers, then obviously we want to find people who are looking to buy, buy a computer, right? But if those are very competitive, then we want to think one step uh, above in the, the sales funnel, you know? So maybe it's like the example I gave, like the best computers, or people might be doing searches of like the fastest, cheapest computer or something like that. So we need to do that keyword research, put our, our uh, selves in the shoes of the searcher and try to get a sense of, you know, are they actually searching for something that, um, they might be, that indicates that they might be a potential buyer of what I'm selling, or, you know, maybe we're going to find keywords where if someone is like, um, uh, I don't know, like computer video game, something that is, has no intent. And like, they'd never converted to a customer. We just ignore those. Gotcha. Uh, what tools are you using to find these keywords are you using? I mean, because a lot of the keyword tools out there give you like high level keywords. Yeah. So, um, I use a paid tool uses Ahrefs. Um, and I think very similar tools are SEM rush and Moz. Um, I think of those three and there's the thing is, honestly, there's so many keyword tools. There's paid keyword tools. Uh, I use Google keyword planner as well because part of me always wants to trust that data the most because it's straight from Google. So I expect it to be the most accurate. Whereas these third party guys, they're kind of using clickstream data, but Google keyword planner doesn't give you as accurate. Like if you've done keyword research, you know, they'll give you this like number, but you know, it's like far from accurate, but then you realize all we're really trying to do is get the order of magnitude. We're trying to get a sense. Is this keyword getting like around about 2000 searches a month? There's getting like 50 searches a month. We get those orders of magnitude. So there's tons of tools out there. There's free tools, there's paid tools, but, um, and you might even use a couple to try to get two estimates from two different tools. And then that's what I'm doing. I'm averaging them together. So I'm getting, you know, Ahrefs might tell me it's getting 100 searches a month and Google Keyword Planner might say 200. So then I'll just average them and get a, just that rough idea to really know where the opportunities are. So, you know, this is a, it's an awesome opportunity and we're talking about opportunities, finding these opportunities. Then you have to build links, you have to write content and it's a lot of work. And obviously that's why people hire you um, and spend the money. But what, you know, we've talked beforehand about you have a book called The ROI of SEO. What is the ROI of SEO? How can you judge the return on investment of an SEO campaign? Yeah, it's a great point and a great question. SEO is a lot of hard work, a lot of hustle, which, like you said, is why people, you know, it's why I have a job because people need help doing it. There's a lot of heavy lifting. So when you want to look at the ROI of SEO, you want to look at, um, you know, if you, okay, I'll give you an example. If you already know that you're getting, a, uh, let's say you're getting 2000 visitors a month from Google every month to your business. And you know, of those 2000 visitors, um, a certain percentage will convert into leads. Let's call it 2%. I'm making up numbers, right? You can, <laughs> we should use your own business numbers, but it's okay. You get 2000 visitors a month, 2% convert into a lead. So you're getting 40 leads a month. And you know, from your sales, you know, uh, metrics that you can, can close, uh, we'll just keep using like, I don't know, 20% again. Okay. Uh, my, um, <laughs> I'm trying up on my math here. What would that be Four? Is that four deals per, yeah, four deals you'd get per month. Okay. Um, and you know, if you know the lifetime value of one of those deals is $10,000. Okay. I, I'm assuming you're a bigger ticket item business. Okay. So you're getting $40,000 a month from the traffic you're already getting. And, you know, it just stands to reason that if you go from 2,000 to 3,000 visitors a month, you should be going from 40,000 to $60,000 of sales coming in every month from SEO. Mm -hmm. Okay. If we take that number and now you're, we got to think every single month. So let's think about the whole year, you know, and we could even think about the following year, right? Multiply that increase across all those months. Uh, see if I can still keep up with the math here. Uh, maybe that's, we'd add on $240,000 of revenue. 
Okay. What does the SEO cost? Well, if it costs less than that, then you have a positive ROI. So, and obviously if it costs a fraction of that, then you can have an, a positive ROI of, of a few multiples, right? Cause obviously who doesn't want a five X return versus like one or two X return. So that's how I look at the ROI of, it, ROI of SEO. The only challenge is, um, Obviously, if we have your actual data and you're tracking your um, your conversion rates and your sales and we could, you know, the more like um, accurate all those numbers are, the better off that is. But realistically, it's pretty hard to predict um, six months after doing SEO where you'll fall. Are you going to get 3,000 visitors a month, 4,000 or is it less? Is it 2,500? How competitive is it? There's too many factors for us to accurately say, you know, like there's the... Uh, the SEO company you should never trust. We're like, yeah, we'll get you on page one, position one, and you know, tomorrow. Like, okay, <laughs> run the other direction, right? So we can't accurately predict, but you know, we could judge from our experience and then we could figure out, hey, this is a positive ROI. It makes sense to do. Awesome. Um, and what's the, I mean, there, there's a long-term value to SEO too, right? I mean, because it's, it's the difference between ads and any other type of marketing. Let's talk a little bit about that and what is the long-term value? Because, Ah, I mean, the stuff that you do today isn't working right away, right? Yeah, I love your leading questions. These are just beautiful. (laughs) You're an SEO guy yourself at heart, I know it. So, um, yeah, obviously, if you're doing paid traffic, and look, paid traffic has a lot of value, and I'm not knocking it. I'm not um, hating on paid traffic. But, uh, you know, the moment you stop spending money on it, that traffic just disappears forever. The thing I love about SEO the most is it's long-term and it's evergreen recurring. So I'll give you an example. Um, there's a website. Um, I mentioned the, the life coaching one, right? Um, there's been no SEO done on that website um, for, I don't know, two years or maybe it's more. So lifecoachspotter.com, it still gets 20,000 organic visitors every single month and it still converts, uh, I don't know, the overall site conversion rate. It's still generating leads and those leads are getting sold every single month. So it's evergreen. It just keeps coming. It's like, I'm trying to think of um, another analogy or, or marketing channels like that. Um, yeah, there. I mean, there isn't, with the exception of building up referral sources, right? Or maybe like YouTube videos. If you keep getting views, that keep converting. But you know, content can be. But yeah, but you get the idea, right? Is this like it'll keep coming in? So you might think, what's the ROI for the first six months or the first year? But it's like, what about the next three years? Uh, or you could look at five years. But then the challenge is, well, things might be changing so much. Like you mentioned, voice search. How relevant will it be five years from now? Things will just keep changing. Yeah. It, well, it, it, but it's all search. It's all search. And you said, you mentioned YouTube. I mean, YouTube is the second most used search engine. Um, so it, it is all search engines. So it, it's, it, there's nothing like it. And once you get there, you, it, it keeps coming in keeps coming in and, you, and it, there's a benefit from that. Additionally, you know, one of the things I try and get across, and I don't know if this is part of your strategy, is that even if you're doing paid advertising, even if you're like, we have people that do seminars, right? And they they sell people during, during the seminars and people are still doing research even at the seminar. And, and there's that added bonus to it. How, do you have anything to measure that? Do you, you know, measure the value of like that type of online reputation or search value? Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to get more of a handle on your question. So you're saying like if someone's doing research, like um, company name plus the word reviews or that kind of thing? Well, that, or let's say, you know, I'm at a, you know, we've, we work with some stem cell doctors, guys mm-hmm. are, doing, you know, helping with stem cell therapy and they have a seminar and the stem, seminar is going on right now. And they're telling, talking about stuff. There's people in that audience that are doing research. I mean, if you look in any audience anywhere, 
people are on their phone doing research about what you said. Um, but it's one of those things that's not, it's not easily gauged because no one's going to go, oh, I did all this research and I found you're the best. I mean, one out of 20 people is going to do that. But yeah. is there a way that you guys have to measure that, that value, that SEO value? That's a really good question. Um, I, I haven't spent a ton of time thinking about it. It's kind of like reputation management. Like I've yeah. certainly seen cases where you Google the person's name and then you see really bad stuff on page one. And it's like, that guy is not going to be able to get business because his reputation is a mess. So we've got to figure out how do we get better stuff on page one for his name. So, um, you know, I think when people will research, like if I were to, to research you or research your company, um, you know, I'm going to find your website and your social media, or maybe if you, you've been interviewed somewhere, sorry, were you going to say something? No, no. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if I'm really answering your question, but, um, it's definitely important. Uh, I think it's interesting to see, you know, to check the, the search volume for if people are putting in like company name and then the word reviews or, um, that kind of thing. Cause then you see if people are checking and then when you do that search yourself, you can see what comes up and like, you know, maybe you're listed on Yelp and you have like one star or whatever it is at Google Maps. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, like if I'm, a, if I just met with you and you know, you put a proposal in for me in front of me and it's like, I'm looking for an SEO company in New York and I just, you came as a referral and I just met with you. I'm still going to do my due diligence and do some research. And then if I type an SEO company in New York and boom, there you are. It's like, Oh, it, it validates it in a way that people don't realize. And I think that's one of the things that I want to get across to people with SEO is that it, it it's really connected to every piece of marketing. Cause if I get a mailer, if I get uh, a phone call, if I get a solicitation, if I get an email, if I get anything that I'm buying anything over $7, I'm going to do a little bit of research. And at, where am I going to go for that research? Google. And if I'm going to research about your company, I'm going to research your competitors. I'm going to find out if there's a lower price and I'm going to do that in five minutes. <laughs> so I think that's an important thing for people to realize when they're talking about this is like, yes, you, you might have another traffic source, but SEO is always going to be there because people are going to do search. Um, but it's always changing. And so are you, how, so you know, it's figuring that out, but you're also trying to stay up to date. How are you staying up to date with the changes in SEO? Yeah, it's a really good question. So it's weird because um, I think to people who are not doing SEO on a regular basis, when you look, when you're on the outside looking in, it seems like everything's changing rapid, you know, very quickly, right? For me, sitting in the middle of the hurricane, it's like slow motion. It's like, oh, they just put out an algorithm update. That was the first one and, you know, significant one and like, three months or something. So, um, and those changes, I don't see them as actually fundamentally very different from how the algorithm already works. Like you remember there was Panda and Penguin and those, those very big updates way back when, way back when is like what, three or four years ago, two years yeah. ago. But, um, but you know, it's, it's kind of still boils down to the same thing. It's creating great content. That's helping people answer their questions, uh, making sure that the, the keyword or the, um, yeah, the query that you want to rank for is optimized and your website, making sure your website has a great user experience, um, you know, having authoritative backlinks back to your website because that's social proof to Google that like other people are linking to you. So you must be authoritative. Um, that really hasn't changed. Like the fundamentals of SEO, I would argue in the last 10 years have basically been the same. I would say, you know, the, the biggest changes have been the way Google is able to like um, find spammy like activity and kind of filter that out and like penalize people. Uh, I would also say that, um, 
Uh, Google is, you know, obviously mobile is much more important today than it was five or 10 years ago. And voice search, which we touched on a little bit, which it's still a little too early to be significant or substantial today. But obviously in two years time, three years time, it could be like so important and so big that, you know, we're focusing way more time on voice search versus like creating a piece of blog content. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I see that we're definitely getting trained with voice search. I mean, where my son knows how to search things. He's five years old with Alexa, right? Um, so it's, it's, we're getting trained on it. Um, and I think that's an important thing to remember. But the, I mean, this is all super valuable information. So you've got a book, The ROI of SEO. What's, what's the best way to get in touch with you is go to your website, sheroak.com, tomcasano.com. Is it tomcasano.com? Yep. Yep. Exactly. You you can Google me. We're talking about Googling, you know, I'm, I'm all over the web. All right. Awesome. And, um, we talked a little bit about the top, but you talked a little bit about a scholarship, um, SEO tactic. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how that works? Cause I think it's a super valuable way to get some good links. Yeah, exactly. Link building has always been a challenge, uh, whether it's guest posting or infographics or submitting your website to directories. I mean, you have that on the one hand and then the other side you have like PR, like, you know, hiring a, a PR firm to get you um, listed. I, I don't know, get, get your story put out there. But uh, we have a, a type of link building strategy we use called a scholarship. And so basically what it does is uh, your company creates a scholarship that you're offering to students of um, undergraduate universities across the U.S. once a year. And, uh, you know, we, over time, we've um, gotten much better at contacting universities, calling them on the phone, emailing them and finding the right ones to get backlinks to that scholarship. And so, um, you know, it's been a pretty effective strategy if, and there's a condition, actually, it's like, if your site has a domain authority, that's, I would say like under 30, or if it's not, you know, if, if your website is not already getting a ton of traffic or have a lot of backlinks, I think it's like a great way to boost your backlink profile because you're getting trustworthy and authoritative links from universities, which are .edu's, which Google inherently trusts a lot, even though they kind of claim they don't, or maybe it's because of their backlink profiles are so trusted. And so it's a great way to kind of um, get that boost of backlinks to your site, because without that, you have to resort to like, guest posting and like, you know, uh, we're doing podcast interviews, right? So like mm-hmm. a podcast interviews are potentially a way to get a backlink. Um, but you know, it's, it's a lot of heavy lifting to get backlinks and outreach, um, just straight up outreach. It, the conversion rate can be very low. Like you could send a hundred personalized emails out and it can be pretty tough to get that backlink back unless you have something super valuable to offer in return. Awesome. So where can we find out about your scholarship technique? Yeah. Um, let's see. We've got a case study on our website and I want to create more content on it. But if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Find me on LinkedIn. Find me on my website. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to help. Um, I, don't, I don't think I have a ton of uh, stuff available right now, but I could, talk, I could talk about it all day long. So just reach out. Can you give us a, I mean, can you give us a quick, uh, like, oh, I mean, it's, you create a scholarship, you reach out, you tell them it's a scholarship. Is there a, sp- a specific technique or anything that you should be doing in addition to that? Yeah, for sure. So you want to, uh, let's see, the scholarship itself, you know, to be at least $1,000. Uh, you need to have the eligibility requirements, um, how someone can apply. You need to have the date that, you know, it, uh, you're going to award it, the date that applications are due in by. So there's some kind of like standardized things you need to do to get it right. And then you need to do a lot of outreach. You need to contact universities, the admissions offices. Um, you need to find the right person, you know, find the right email address. 
find universities that can link back to it or universities that have already linked to other scholarships. Um, so th- that in itself is not like, there's not a ton of shortcuts there. I mean, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, but if you understand that idea and if you wanted to implement it on your own, you could certainly, you know, go for it and, you know, start emailing tons of universities, finding email addresses and trying to get backlinks to your scholarship. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, Tom, tell me a little bit, um, uh, about, the people that you work with and and the companies that you work with and, and what's the best way to work with you? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I personally, I'm very passionate about SaaS businesses, um, software companies, uh, B2B SaaS, B2B uh, companies, e-commerce, um, you know, uh, so we have specialization in those areas. Um, but um, I'm very agnostic about the type of industry for SEO because <clears throat> the, the main principles of SEO are pretty much the same across industries. So whether you're an e-commerce site or you're a SaaS, it's still these same principles. It's backlinks, it's content, it's uh, optimization. There's a lot of technical SEO we didn't get into, but obviously if you have a site that has over a hundred or a thousand pages, we've got to look at those technical factors. Um, and what was your second question? Uh, and what's the best way to work with you? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, just again, just reach out, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can go to shoreoak.com. Uh, like you said, we have that, um, ebook, um, a very short ebook on the ROI of SEO. Um, so I can give you the link to that. Um, and yeah, just, you know, I'm happy to help and, and, uh, it's been a real pleasure being here. I, and I really appreciate it. I appreciate it, Tom. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and thank you all for listening. This has been Ian Garlic and Tom Cassano, and thanks for taking us on your journey. If you haven't signed up already, make sure to sign up for the free training. It's free for a limited time. The Level Up Video Marketing Training. Really take your business to the next level. Just go to authenticweb.media slash level up or click on the show notes and there will be a link right there. I look forward to seeing you in the training and look forward to seeing you level up your business. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook.